one of the most unique podcasts on the planet. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver. Hey, Bus Driver, the show about everything related to student transportation. If you're a student transportation professional, you've found your show. Hey, Bus Driver, exploring the entire school transportation universe, talking to interesting and inspiring people, exchanging ideas, promoting student transportation industry growth, and sharing a few funny stories along the way. Now, live from Phoenix, Arizona, this is Hey, Bus Driver, and this is Jason Nelson. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Hey Bus Driver podcast. Today is Saturday, Masters Weekend. So anybody who's a golf fan, it's Masters Weekend. They're a little on a weather delay, so we're going to record an episode. But um, by the time this comes out, we'll have a clear winner. So with us today, Chad back joining us and Miss Shannon. Thank you guys for being here. How's your Saturday, Saturday going? Everybody good? That's good. Pretty good. Too waiting on this rain delay to be over so I can get back out on the course here at the Masters. Yeah. <laughs> were you were you playing or were you yeah. uh caddying? Yeah, I was on the sixth hole. Oh, okay. Right on. <laughs> nice. Need, have you ever break, have you ever bro. seen the virtual or it's not virtual, but it's like simulated golf. You can actually go into these rooms and you hit into like a, a big screen. You hit a golf like a real golf ball and it's all simulated. But you can play like courses all around the world. It's supposed to be pretty cool. I've only done it once. I haven't done it because I don't have golf carts or beer, so I just avoid that. Well, they have a bar right there. You don't even have to have the cart or the beer. You go to the bar and then back to your your uh, little put, shooting station, I guess. I would go huh. to one then. And I haven't done it. it. That would be good for me because I don't have great, you know, eye coordination. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in the summertime, it's air-conditioned, so you don't have to be out there sweating it out in the heat of Arizona. Then what are we going to golf <laughs> courses for? It's a new thing. We'll have to try it, Chad. Yeah, I'm in. That sounds right up my alley. All right. Awesome. That they have snacks? Yeah. I Like I said, full full bar, full like cafeteria type thing. It's, it's pretty legit. Well, I'm in. So we'll, we'll try it for sure. But... Uh, Anyways, today, uh, thanks everybody for joining us. We are going to be talking about uh, how to spec a school bus. And it's purchase, kind of getting everybody to start getting quotes ready for the fiscal year changeover. And probably those of you that are able to <clears throat> buy school buses, we are, you know, kind of in that time frame to start getting things ready. So um, just want to talk a little bit about, you know, what that process looks like. Maybe you've got some new people that have joined into this industry and really don't know what they're looking for. So, you know, it's really kind of, um, I, I've heard in the past and we're going to probably lean on Chad quite a bit. This is kind of his forte and what he does, but Mm. there's so many options out there, Chad, like where, I mean, where do we even get started in trying to identify what we want on a school bus? Obviously it's gotta be yellow. It's gotta be so many feet long, so many, so many passengers, but when you look at the actual build sheet, like there are just tons of options. And I assume that you are probably the most responsible person to be checking every single box to make sure that I'm getting the bus that I'm looking for. Correct. That's what they tell me. Yeah. They <laughs> they keep telling me that, but now you're, you're right. There's, 
there's so many options on a bus. Um, you know, one thing to look at, if, if I was a new transportation director coming to the school, let's say I moved from Oklahoma to Arizona as a transportation director out here. Every state is so different in their needs. I mean, okay, let's, let's back up. Let's say I'm coming from Indiana to Arizona. Two totally different buses that they run in Indiana versus Arizona as far as specs, what they require, what their needs are. Where I would start, I would I would talk to the bus drivers, just what, what works here, because they're familiar with this stuff. They drive them every day. I'd reach out to other transportation directors around you within this, you know, within this, not within the state necessarily, especially Arizona, because there's so many different, you know, different elevations and, and you know, climates, if you will. But if you're in the valley, reach out to some of the valley, ask them, you know, get their opinion for a size. Uh, you know, the 77, 78 passenger body seems to be a pretty standard route bus here, the conventionals. Um, you know, like a nine row, a uh, 54 passenger size body is a good, good starter bus for a, for a sped bus. You know, just, there's so many different things, track seating, child restraint seats, lap belts, three point seat belts, um, engines, horsepowers, gear ratios. You're right. It, it, it can be overwhelming to somebody who doesn't know. And that's why it's important that, you know, you reach out to your sales reps at the three different manufacturers, dealerships, and talk to them, and then again reach out to the different, you know, different uh, transportation directors and um, drivers. Put all this together. Come back, discuss it more. I mean, I think the most important thing from my side of it is make sure whatever you're doing, trust your sales reps, talk to your sales reps, look over the specs on the quotes that you do get. Make sure everything is spec the same, because make sure everything's apples to apples before you pull the trigger on a on a bus purchase, because it does happen where people miss specs and it can be a fairly expensive spec. Sure. So one dealer may miss specking that out. Oh, wow. This bus is $3,000 cheaper. How's it? Oh, this is a great deal. You may not realize they left out your child restraint seats. Mm. Then you get the bus <laughs> in and that's a very important feature that you wanted. So there, yeah, it's it. I can see where it could be overwhelming coming in to even a transportation director with experience buying mm-hmm. buses it could be overwhelming I and mean, there's a lot of different things you know axle weights you know, suspension you know, brakes i mean there's so many different options on a bus that there's a lot to miss and i've missed i've missed i've missed things in the past right you're looking through the specs and it comes in I'm like oh where's that and then i go back and look i overlooked it it wasn't on there you know or overlooked it and it was on there and i'm taking off yeah. Nothing major, but you know, little thing that you just pick up when the bus shows up and you see it. Right. But there, there's a lot. There's Good. absolutely a lot of options versus buying a car or even, you know, a, a pickup, even a semi. I mean, I sold semis in the past. You know, the main thing with the semi is the chassis. There's a lot. It seems like there's a lot more on a school bus than even a semi. Sounds there's like, a lot to it. Well, yeah, and and there there truly are, and Shannon. You want to talk about maybe like the first time, you know, you've, you've been working your way through transportation departments in the last 20 years. So what, what was your first experience in, in kind of sitting down and going through this process? Yeah, it, it, it I would agree. It's very overwhelming. And um, one of the things that was helpful for me, well, and I think, so is your, is your district growing or is it, 
right? Is it is it built out? Because, you know, I was buying in a growing district 84 passenger, you know, buses because I just knew like I was going to need every bit of space. But me- the mechanics on the team helped me a lot too. And then I agree with you, Chad, reaching out to your your drivers who have kind of been with you a long time and have, you know, a good vision of, you know, what the um, roadways are like. And, and, you know, and my experience in purchasing is in a, a rural district that has a lot of, you know, dirt roads in, in addition to, you know, um, highways and just long distances. So certain fuel types weren't really an option for us. But also, you know, it depends on what you're allowed to spend and it depends on what your district leadership wants. Because believe it or not, I was surprised at how much input in my first purchase, the superintendency wanted to have. Um, normally, I think we know in student transportation that, right, we just do what we do. And as long as we get them to and from safely, um, no news is good news. But they were really wanted to have um, some input on that. So, and I would, I think, too, when you talk about special needs buses, you know, how many wheelchair positions, how many seats, but how many are you willing to put on there for you know, a doable evacuation? And then are you going into apartment complexes and small, you know, roadways in tight communities or are you able to really maneuver? So those are some of the things that I've learned along the way. But the first purchase, I, I really relied upon my fleet mechanics and what they told me had worked in the past and we just adapted from there. Yeah, yeah, they've been there, done that. And and keep in mind, things change. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. me, be, me being with International, I'm well aware of their history with the Max Force fiasco. When I wasn't with International at that time, understand it's a, it was a terrible decision and it affected a lot of districts. It affected a lot of trucking companies on the truck side. Things change, you know, and keep keep that in sure. mind. There's there's people that still, you know, hold that against them. Unknowingly, when I got here, there's few that didn't know that we were Cummins, you know, so that's that's why you need to reach out to your your sales reps and talk to them before you just go make a decision, run with one one dealer, you know, reach out, find out what's changed, what's new, what's coming and you know, what's available. And, and, and I would say that relationship, too, is huge because, you know, like when you talk about trust and your previous comment, like you're the expert, not me. Just like I, I mean, I have to be able to trust that if even though previous there was an engine catastrophe, if it's, if it's different now and I have to be able to trust you, that means you're frequently in my office and visiting and, and answering questions and reaching out, even though like maybe um, a leader hasn't purchased from a certain vendor doesn't mean they don't still um, have such a better chance of being considered if they're frequently there answering questions, providing information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you definitely have to be able to trust them, you know, trust your rep because I, you know, we've all seen it. I'm sure you've been a part of it where you're told something and it wasn't necessarily accurate or mm-hmm. honest or true, you know. I mean, so, you know, like I always tell my kids, you know, raising them, if you always tell the truth, you never have to remember what you said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so true. So, sure. I mean, if, and if you don't, you know, and even reps that I've I've managed before, I always told them, "Don't be afraid to say I don't know, but I'll find that and get back to you." Sure. Don't just say something. So, if you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. So, how would you like determine, you know, or as you're going out, or or both of you, honestly, Shannon, kind of the the must-haves versus the nice-to-haves, right? We 
I, I think we've got a partial fleet that has manual mirrors and, and the foot pedals don't move. And, and then we've got part of our fleet that, that does have all of those bells and whistles. So at what point do you, do you decide as a district or do you, do you, Chad, as this new technology is going out there, is it really just putting it out there and letting them know, Hey, these are all the options or how would somebody, how would somebody even go through? Like, is there a catalog that I can sit down and literally go, okay, this section, here's all the options, this section, here's all the options. Or is it pretty much, I'm telling you, Chad, I need a school bus that needs, you know, this many rows and I want to have this. How, how do we avoid missing all the other things that might be nice to have that, really could benefit a department for, you know, say there's a bunch of short people that, you know, can't reach the pedals, right? And and be able to have that driver custom customability to be able to, you know, kind of find that right fit for, for driver safety and comfort. Well I think that comes back to <clears throat> comes back to the sales reps responsibility. But again, I understand there are some sales reps that don't go to that extent and they do leave transportation directors hanging. They may not know. They may, may be unaware of a situation. I actually have a, a few perfect examples. You know, you talked about adjustable pedals. You know, we had one transportation director that insisted on adjustable pedals on the REs. IC doesn't have that. That's fine. Okay. It doesn't have it. Well, then, you know, that's a deal breaker. Well, how about you look at one? Let me bring you an RE. You get two of your shortest drivers. Bring them out there. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's a reason we don't have it. We used to have that option. We don't have it anymore because we don't need it. They did. You know, I brought it out, showed them the bus. <clears throat> the driver said in it. They both agreed. We don't need adjustable pedals. We can reach just fine. Why are these different than the other ones that we need adjustable pedals? It's just the way they're designed. So don't. Don't think just because it's an option with one that you need it on all of them. It makes sense. Sure. You know, um, you know, the, um, you know, Shannon brought up wheelchair positions. I've also had schools that, well, I just need one wheelchair position. We only have one kid that requires it. Okay. Is your district growing? Well, it's growing a little bit. Okay. How about you get a couple of covered wheelchair positions on track mm -hmm. in case you need it in the future? It's always best to have, those available than to not have, I mean, you want to come back and buy another bus because you need another wheelchair position, or do you want to be able to remove a couple of seats and have that option? And, and I've pushed a few school districts into going ahead and getting track seating with a couple of covered wheelchair positions just for the future, just in case it's not going to hurt you to have them. It's yeah. going to hurt you if you don't have them. Yeah. And so, I, you know, and I think Shannon's point is pretty, um, pretty right on about understanding your district need just as far as like you know are you growing are you do you need to you know are you rural are you urban do you only run 25 kids per route you know do you really need to have a 71 or 72 passenger bus however i'll say that in the same breath just because you're loading for routes doesn't mean you want to shortchange yourself for say trips right now all of a sudden you're able to, you know if you're only getting a 40 passenger bus and all you know, you need to use that same bus for field trips. Now you can only put forty passengers total on you know on that bus versus having the capacity to to take you know potentially two classes to say the zoo or something like that. Now you know um, I've heard of situations where district bought buses specific. They were like forty passenger bus, but they had a wheelchair 
uh, positioning so that a teacher could go on field trips. Well, all of a sudden that teacher no longer works for the district, and now they have limitations on their bus because they can't really use them on a full capacity route to move, say, 65 kids, right? So I think it's really, it is understanding. Are we are we building two, three more schools? Are we, um, you know, are we closing schools? Maybe we don't need to have these types of routes. And, and honestly, it's interesting here on the West Coast, seems like transit buses are a little bit more, or your REs are a little bit more prevalent than they are more Midwest and on the East Coast. So, yep. you know, I, I think that maybe conventionals seem to be taking a, you know, maybe becoming a little bit more prevalent, at least here in Arizona, uh, at least my, from what I've visually seen, and I don't know if that's just because of cost, is that because of the options, or what do you think, Chad? No, you're right. The uh, REs aren't near as prevalent in a lot of the other states as they are here. You know, I mean, I've dealt with states. I've dealt with almost every state in the union, if you will, um, buying and selling school buses over my career. And there's some states that the only reason they have an RE is for a trip bus, for the football team or the basketball team. They do not run routes with REs. Um, out here, I think you're, you're a little more open, if you will. You know, it, it seems to be a little more open out here. But but also, yeah, keep in mind, I'm running a lot of dirt roads, and RE isn't necessarily it's not going to work well if you have the long haul on a dirt road because you do <laughs> suck a lot of dirt into the rear of that, that engine bay. You know, I mean, it does, it will cause you problems. I mean, there's a good chance it can cause some catastrophic problems in the future. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I think part of it, and again, I want to keep going back to I see that is, you know, who I work for. Again, I've bought and sold thousands of all the buses, Thomas, Bluebird, IC, but I'm just, I think, Something that's happening right now is IC is working on an 84-passenger conventional, adding two and a half more feet to the conventional chassis and adding another row. And I think the reason that is because transit buses sell a small percentage of school buses in the United States. It's a small percentage of how many buses they sell every year are transit-style flat-nosed buses. I think cost is a big factor. Uh, the amount of time it costs to build them versus conventional is also you know a smaller factor. But I think what's going to eventually happen is your conventionals are going to start to replace your transits, especially with that type of seating. If you can get an 84 passenger conventional with the same leg room as a 84 passenger transit, but you save, say $50,000, say 60,000, whatever the cost is, however you spec it. So you can get four buses for the price of three. Sure. It's going to be huge. To a lot of school districts, right? You know, I mean, and I think Shannon touched on that and just understanding how much money you have budgeted before you go out and, you know, go try and find, go try and buy the Cadillac versus the, you know, the Chevy that's sitting there on the, you know, kind of stripped out and, you know, available. Too, Jason, like there, I mean, my purchasing experience has been in um, some districts who were, you know, at some point, really challenged for funding and we just need buses to move kids. But at the same time, some of those options you talked about and whether it be in a catalog or you have a salesperson who's really sharing the details, some of them are not as much money as one would think in the big picture, because I mean, I, I'm, I'm 
have been pleasantly surprised. Like, really? It's only that much for, let's say, I don't know, a child safety check, right? Alarm or the mirrors, the adjustable mirrors. Like in the big scheme of the purchase, you think it would be hundreds of thousands of dollars or not hundreds of thousands, hundreds or thousands. And it's not that much. So really going through that checklist that you mentioned, it sometimes is a, is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you should be presented that option. You know, I had I had one district that ordered some REs last year, and the transportation director wanted that that wing on the back of the REs. You know, for the for the airflow to push the dust out of the, off the back windows, the water, whatever. I'm like, you don't need that. Wow, but it looks cool. No, I'm not going to sell it to you. He's like, what do you mean you're not going to sell it to me? I said, I'm not, I'm not going to put that spec on your bus. He's like, why? I said, these these buses are never going to leave the valley. These are fast, route buses, too fast, right? Too furious. Yeah. He's like, and I said, these are route buses. He's like, yeah, but it looks cool. I said, but you don't need it. I mean, it's not. A, Want a racing for, stripe down the middle of the team? Right. And the, you're being fiscally transparent, right, with the dollars that your community gives you. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's not a feasible option for you. It's not going to be beneficial to you. Why do you want to waste the money on this? Just because you have the money doesn't mean you need to spend that money. I mean, as you know, if I was a certain type of sales rep, I would have thrown it on there in a heartbeat. Of course. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Here, take it. Hey, I'll put I'll put one in the front too if you want. You know, but but no, you don't you don't need that. You know, and that's like you go back to like the alternative fuels. There's some areas in the state of Arizona, since we're here and across the United States, that alternative fuels don't work. They don't work because yeah. they don't have the horsepower, the torque, whatever it may be. You, you get up north and uh, you're around the rim. Propane is not that feasible up there if you're leaving town. Right. I mean, it's, it's you're going to be hauling a bus full of kids at 25 mile per hour up at the end of a hill. On the highway, yeah. that, don't do that. That's not. It doesn't work for you. And, and I've had districts that, that tried it and came back, and you know they're miserable. Yeah, and now they're upset with the manufacturer of that bus. Right. Well, whose fault was it that <laughs> you guys bought that bus? Yeah. You know, I mean, probably a combination. Because I've I've literally told again. You go back to I've told transportation director, I'm not going to sell you propane. It's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you're being honest, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, selling, yeah. You know, right? And then there's some yeah. implications with fueling, like, right? You, you know, they make it pretty appealing. I'll say from experience, oh, we can just come in and do a mobile type fuel if you want to try out the propane in a former district. Well, that's appealing because you, you know, it works for my logistics and it works for the cost of fuel. But oh, you forgot to tell me how much it costs to. Right. I can't bring in fuel infrastructure where I was. And you forgot to tell me the markup to have you come in with a truck or how frequently that would be required. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. you know, that's a whole nother topic we could get honestly <laughs> sure. into. But but Chad, Chad, like why how come there are so many specs on a school bus? Like I can get blue seats or gray seats or brown seats. I can mm-hmm. get a black floor. I can get a brown floor. Like what? If if there's such a national standard, like are we just allowing people to put their personal flair on it? And then at the same time, like there is cost differential between some of those, right? If you get a certain color, it goes down in price. If you get a certain color, it goes up in price. And so, like it, that's just one piece, you know, just a small variance of what there is. I, I imagine that there's so many other, you know, so many other things that are 
options that are out there, why do you think that that is? We're just price gouging. We're just, yeah, we're just trying to make <laughs> as much money as possible. No, it's, I think it, so. Every state, doesn't every state have a different requirement um, hmm. for the exterior? Even though it's yellow, school bus yellow and black, there's like some states require like yellow tire hubs and and whatnot. Yeah, no. I, he, I recall that from a factory. No, he, he touched on, you know, national standards. The national standards, not extensive. I mean, it, it is to a point as far as the structure and the build and the requirements of that. But state to state, and when I came from the trucking side, I thought, well, this would be easy. I mean, I know trucks. I know chassis. I know, you know, the powertrains. I, know, I had no idea. Like, I literally had no idea that state to state, you can't necessarily just take a bus from, say, Oklahoma, and it won't work in Texas. You have to add money and fee and specs and, and change things. Mm -hmm. on that. I, I did not know that. And so I learned a lot, especially buying from different states and then selling back into other states. I had used to have a, a spreadsheet of what I'd have to do to a bus out of, say, Oklahoma, what I have to do to, it to make sure it meets Texas specs or a bus out of Indiana, what I have to do to make it meet Michigan specs. And there was a lot of different things. I mean, there's crossing gates you know a lot of states require crossing gates they require the uh, the strobe lights they require like texas for example you have to have laminated glass to, to run a bus so in 2010 the bus has to be completely laminated glass i mean so at midwest where i was before we used to buy we did three-year leases every year we do 40 buses into arkansas with air brakes uh, literally Texas spec, laminated glass, air brakes, crossing gate, all the stuff that was required in Texas, we'd lease those buses into Arkansas. That way, you know, you didn't get up into Illinois where you get rust or whatever. Lease them into Arkansas, and then three years and they came off lease, they're a perfect Texas spec bus. Sell them into Texas to the school districts. Hmm. Worked out hmm. perfect, you know, but they, they, you upped the specs versus Arkansas. So it was above and beyond what Arkansas required, so we were able to do that. But it was exact specs for Texas. So, in other words, a basic spec Arkansas bus would not work in Texas. An Oklahoma bus won't go into Illinois without some changes. Uh, they go know, in I mean, the same they, thing. I've seen like some with black hoods, and you know, like yeah. Shannon was saying some with yellow wheels, yeah. and some have you know here in Arizona we have to have black painted wheels. So. I guess I just so really so Massachusetts know. has the black hood. There's a couple other states have the black hood, and it's anti-glare. You know yeah. what that's for. Uh, Florida has yellow wheels. I believe is it Florida that has the yellow rub rails also, or New York, New, mm -hmm. Jersey, one of those. New Jersey, for example. I think it is. Their seating in New Jersey is three plus two. In other words, you have three 39 inch seats on one side of the bus, and then the 30, 30 or 36 inch seats on the other side of the bus. So it's a three two configuration, in New Jersey. Why? I don't know. I don't get it. Like, it doesn't, if someone's yeah. in New Jersey listening, we'd love to. We'd love to understand why that is. I guess because the aisles sure. wider. You know, I mean, it, but so you couldn't take a bus out of New Jersey and sell it anywhere else. There's nowhere else that, you know, that really. That or, that. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. You couldn't take a bus out of any other state and make it work in New Jersey. You have to change out the seats, change the capacity rating. Not worth it. But you know the. One of the most interesting ones was, um, oh my gosh, I just went blank. I can't remember the state. I'm so sorry. I'll think of it here in a little bit. I want to say Maryland. But anyway, uh, if you, there's no, it had to be built. Wisconsin, same way. It has to be built and stamped at the factory for that state. Now, 
there's a lot of states you can make the buses work to meet the Maryland specs or the Wisconsin specs, but because it didn't have that stamp from the factory, you can't sell a bus, a used bus in that state. And if you take a bus, let's say a school district buys 10, orders 10 buses. Something happens, they can only take eight of those buses. So someone out of Maryland sells that bus to Oklahoma, for example, just, you know, just throwing a state out there. I keep saying Oklahoma because that's where I'm at right now. But you, you sell it outside of Maryland. Brand new bus. Gets registered at the school district. Drive it. Say, I buy it used. I go to try to sell it back to school in Maryland because it's Maryland specs to a T, built for Maryland. Can't happen because it also has to be registered for the first time in that state before it can ever be sold back in that state used. Hmm. So there's weird little things like that. So to answer your question, I'm, I'm taking a long road here. <clears throat> yes, there are federal federal standards, but every state adds on top of the federal standards. Um, so seat colors, I guess it's mostly preference, obviously. I mean, that's to a T. But there's so many different standards, so many different options and specifications because there are so many different state specifications, so many different state so it's requirements. Basically, basically the, the uh, manufacturers kind of providing those options because of state specs. More or less. Yeah. I mean, you could buy a crossing gate here if you want to yeah, run your next I, well, bus, Jason, but you don't need it. There's some districts here locally that, you know, do run them on the majority of their buses. So, um, you know, we've we've seen it, but I don't think that yeah. strobe lights are, you know, up as, as prevalent here in Arizona mm-hmm. as they are in other states. So, you know. And a, but, but like Illinois, you're required to run them. Right. You have to run strobe lights. Have to be on. All, I mean, it's a requirement. Every time that bus is occupied by anybody, that strobe light has to be on. Um, so, yeah, I think to answer your question, part of it is over the years, these have been options. They leave them on the table. It's available. Does every state require it? Absolutely not. But also because they do, there is not a set federal set or this is how you build a school bus. Every state runs it this way. If that was the case, you wouldn't have near as many options. But you know, again, there's options that you don't need, that Texas doesn't need, that you know, Kansas doesn't need, that another state may require. And so it is an option. Well, I know so, got... yeah, there's just, I mean, you got 50 different states running different specs. I mean, there's a handful of states you can take one bus, throw it in the other one, and it works fine. Um, Arizona is not a really strong spec state. Again, we go back to Crossing Gate, we go back to, to uh, the, you know, the strobe light, but. You have air conditioning that most other states don't run. Right. So, so can you take a bus out of Texas and bring it out here and run it in Arizona? Yeah. But it better be northern Arizona. <laughs> These kids are going to bake. They have good ACs, but they don't have these ACs. Go ahead, Shannon. Yeah, I'm always surprised by a handful of right neighboring districts that maybe run fleet that don't have any. AC. It's like, and I know it's not required, but it's certainly needed. And then those differences too. Like I feel like as an Arizona transportation leader, like I want to spend my dollars on, let's say ducted air or three units versus right. The standard, because I know like that's going to be a game changer for my um, parent calls and concerns. <laughs> and, what do you, and what do you think? I mean, Chad, from a non-biased, as non-biased as you can get, what is your opinion on ducted air versus free blow in Arizona for our Arizona listeners? Oh, I don't think there's any bias at all in this. I think, I think if you're in the Valley, ducted air is phenomenal. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. 
back in the day, it was not. I remember when I first got into it, the first few years, ducted air just did not work that well. And they've, they've came a long way since then with the additional fans and, and, and whatnot, and the roof mounted. You know, when they first started ducted air, basically you're running off a you know, rear evap blowing through the bus. Well, I mean, theoretically it should work, but it didn't work. By the time I got to the front, it wasn't that cold. Um, but no, I think I think ducted air on a larger bus, you get above um, say a sixty-five passenger body. I think actually I take that back. I think anything over say a fifty-four passenger size body, you probably should start looking at ducted air. Um, I, I think it's again with the additional fans, it, it definitely helps. It definitely makes a difference. You go front and rear bulkhead, and then a, a mid mount evap, which you know the old headbangers, if you will, <laughs> whatever you want to call them, head knockers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, helps, but why? I mean, you're spending money for that. Go, just go with the ducted, sure. you know. And 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 now, of course, they've even got the driver fan, where you have a you know ducks behind their spouse behind the driver. You can flip on the driver fan, so it blows even even more I'll air. Tell you, the the dash mounted air is is a game changer for a bus driver in 120 degrees. <laughs> you know, August. Yeah. It's uh, and, and even, even if you're on a sped bus, you've got front and rear mounted evaps. Yeah. Get get the driver's spout. Yeah, yeah, they're getting some cold air, but get the driver's spout so they can adjust a little blowing in their face because they're right there by that door. It's opening and closing yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like a three hundred dollar option. Get it. Yeah, it's worth it. You'll there make you it go. That's a perfect example. Three hundred dollars in the big scheme of things. Yeah, and it's it's the driver's office, right? I mean, they're in it all day, every day. So why wouldn't you want them to be comfortable? Right. Comfortable, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, heat strokes. Yeah. Heat, heat strokes a real deal here. You know, just drive, even driving a school bus. So, um, Chad, there's yeah. so much technology that's coming out that's been coming out here. You talked in uh, about collision mitigation becoming available in one of the previous episodes that we did. But what other things that are out there, and and how? I mean, are we just leaning back on our salespeople to make that like known, or how do how would how would I go and ask about the latest and greatest that's out there and available. Yeah. I mean, go, go to the sales reps. Google obviously is a wonderful tool. I mean, there's, there's a lot of information on Google as well. There's some misinformation. So, you know, don't go to like 4chan to get your school bus information, <laughs> but, 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 um, yeah, I, I did mention collision mitigation right now that that's actually standard on IC buses. We have to delete that option unless the school wants it. Um, there's collision mitigation fusion, which is, is another feature on on the IC buses that's that's optional. It's not the standard option, but you could upgrade. It actually has a camera mounted in the windshield, reads the the speed limit signs, alerts the driver if they're going over the speed limit. It it alerts the driver if they're going over the lines, you know, by beeping at them, mm-hmm. telling them which line they're going over. I think collision mitigation will become standard on school buses. I believe it should become standard on school buses, and I've experienced it, and it's absolutely mind-blowing to have a school bus like that perform in that, in that way where, you know, you're get, driving on the road, you get too close to the car, it starts to beep. If that car, and it judges based on your speed and the distance in time, how far away you are from that car, and it actually reads the speed of that car. That's what I noticed. I took one up north a couple last week, and it had collision mitigation. And I did not realize this, but I'm driving. I see a car pass me. I look at the little monitor on the dash. And I was going 65. Okay, because I had the cruise set. So say I was going 65. And 
I look over at the monitor and it showed me the speed of that car in front of me. They're going 83 mile per hour. Wow. It showed me how fast that car in front of me was going and how far in seconds away I was from that car. But if that car would have slammed on its brakes, that bus would have noticed that from the radar. It would have picked it up that that car was dropping drastically in speed and what its speed was. would start beeping at me as I got closer. It would have disengaged the throttle, kicked on the engine brake, and applied the brakes and stopped that bus before it hit that car. And I've been in a wow. bus twice, once behind the wheel, and once as a demonstration, and it is a pretty cool experience. I mean, I'll, I be, honest with, I'll be honest with you, the first time I was like, I kind of hope he hits that pickup. Like, I hope this doesn't work. You know, because I had a pickup parked out in this parking lot. And I was kind of hoping it hit it just because I wanted to be, you know, I was recording it. That'd be kind of cool. But it stopped, which made it, it was even cooler. You know, that right. it, it, was a, it was a pretty surreal experience that something that massive has that capability and i think it should absolutely become standard on school buses as we move forward um <clears throat> i'm trying to think i mean obviously engines are advancing in a way that uh, in the past you, you've got fewer options but better options if you will cummins obviously is taking mm -hmm. over school buses rightfully so absolutely rightfully so every bus should have a red cummins in it unless you're running an alternative fuel um I mean, proven technology. Emissions have gotten better over the years. I know we all go through those headaches where they, you know, the emissions changes and you start running the DPF and then you've got all the regen issues. They've, you know, kind of got away from that where it doesn't, it's not as much of a problem. Not as, not as much of a headache, yes. They, they've resolved that problem. Now you're, you're in the deaf, deaf flood, which is causing some mm -hmm. headaches for every manufacturer across the board even outside of school buses and, and trucks, you know, uh, still there's some headaches there that they're learning as they're moving forward and they're changing the technology. They're changing the QLS sensors, upgrading those. Um, you know, one thing Cummins did uh, a few years ago is they figured out how to um, get their engine to run hotter at a lower RPM, which really benefited the school bus and ambulance um, world. That way, it helps burn off the particulate filters in the DPF. That's a reason. Yeah, that's a lot of the reason why you're not regening as often, not having those issues. Um, propane, gasoline, you know, there's there's advances there. A couple of really, honestly, a couple of really good options. Uh, you know, they're they're both good options from Bluebird from IC. They sure. both have great options there. Uh, again, know your application. You know, don't be trying to run a a bluebird up around the rim or even an IC propane or gas up around the rim. That's why, you know, actually in the Midwest, gas is a lot, a lot outsells propane hands down out in the Midwest because they like gas better and propane. Both of them work the same work just as well. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just a different, different, you know, I, I still talk to dealers out in the Midwest, like Missouri, uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Arkansas. I still talk to dealers out there because they're friends of mine and asking about the propane. When I first came out here, like, no, 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 gas we hardly ever sell a propane we sell a lot of gas so but then out here you hardly ever sell a gas you sell a lot more propane or diesel or no, yeah I mean, i'm, I'm talking diesel, on the current yeah, side yeah, yeah alternative yeah. fuels for sure and yeah. then and obviously the electric bus market that's <clears throat> excuse me starting to come to fruition right i mean california is really pushing this and um i think our new our our newly elected government at the federal level is really pushing the the electric market, I don't, you know, there's probably a lot to still 
get through as far as, you know, that's such an expensive school bus, right? When you're talking about, you know, one to that one to four ratio of one bus versus four <laughs> buses, you know, potentially, or one bus versus three buses, you have to understand, you know, that that might be one of those nice to haves or those, hey, look at us, we're, you know, we're going green type of thing. So, um, switching. I had, I, had a, yeah, I had a district, I had a district that did that that told me one day we want to buy an electric school bus. I said, why? Well, because we think it shows the community that we're, you know, trying to go green, blah blah blah. Said, you can't get a bond pass for a diesel school bus. Well, I think <laughs> I think we come up with the money for one electric. I said for the cost of one electric, you could replace three or four of your diesels, and you need to replace your diesels. You don't need one bus; you need three or four buses. Bad. So I think well, it's, it's a clean bad as they idea. do. It's clean as they do burn. And then when you talk about evolving your fleet and making sure you're able to do that in years down the road, the electric just seems a lot of districts unable to do so. And and so then you go back to the technology. So the the electric, it's it's coming a long way. You know, IC's got an electric option that's over 220-mile range. There's cars right now that don't have a 200-mile range, 220-mile range. That's mind blowing to me. A 220 mile range on that large of a bus is mind blowing to me. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That's a gate. That's a potential game changer at some point in time mm-hmm. when people are ready to buy and when the price comes down, <clears throat> and it will. I mean, you look at GM. They're wanting to be all electric by what 2035. That's crazy. It's not that far away. Right. Um, you know, other technologies. You, you start looking at camera systems. You know, camera systems that came a long way. You know, they've got Wi-Fi options. They've got cellular options. Um, even <clears throat> on the diagnostic side, the school bus manufacturers, we have um, you know cellular-based um, options for your your check engine lights, if you will. Check engine light comes on, can log on from 200 miles away on your laptop and look and see what that check engine light is for. Whether to tell the driver to keep going or they need to pull over. Sure. You know, it's cellular-based. Uh, so, you know, again, your, your camera options with your wide-angle lenses, your fisheye lenses, your high, you know, capacity hard drives, Wi-Fi, cellular, your card readers, your, your, your we talked about this here a while back with the, um, you know, the different card readers and stuff that the kids scan this card, show you they're on the bus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, I think that's huge as well. And the, the apps that parents can log into, the apps service departments can log into, Transportation directors can log into those apps and you know get all the information they need. So there's so there's a mind-boggling amount of technology going in the buses, and it, it should be because again, go back to what I've said before. You know, what other cargo are you going to haul that's more important than kids? Sure, and I think the nice thing is that a lot of this can be wrapped into into bonds, so that you're not having to pay for it out of your M and O funds. You know, down the road or trying to retrofit something. I know. Um, Shannon, you might be able to talk to, about this and just the subscriptions to diagnostic software for your mechanics and wrapping that and bundling that into um, bus purchases as well. You've had some success. Well, that's, I mean, one of the only ways, you know, to do that. I mean, at the purchase, it's very exciting because you have the technology and you get the laptop and the, right, the most recent updates. But when it's time to renew it and you don't have a bus purchase um, or a bond purchase, it's like, oh okay, now where do I find those dollars? So really being careful with either the timing of the renewal so that you know you'll have a new budget to utilize or working with your sales rep, how can I get creative to make sure like with every purchase, I embed right, mm-hmm. 
I don't know, one or two renewals so that we're not faced with, oh, now we can't get the most recent updates. Because sometimes if the timing is bad and it's at the end of the fiscal year, you really can't um, find the dollars to renew it. So. Right, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Get everything wrapped in. You can, you know, your, your subscriptions for your Cummins insider, whatever it is, <laughs> you know, your camera systems, your, your card readers, your Zonar, your, you know, whatever it is, get everything wrapped in. You can and, and get it in one price and, and keep in mind too, just because it's more expensive doesn't necessarily mean it's better. You know, that really goes a long way. When you start talking about camera systems. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, um, Again, that comes back to trust and following up, doing your own homework, talking to other districts, and you know, seeing what their experience is. You know, of course, there's going to be some bias there as well. You know, if someone runs a certain camera system for years, oh, it's the best. But everybody else may say, eh, it's not quite as good as the one I've got. It's the one we got better. So now you need to really start looking and you know, trusting yourselves, reps. And if you if talk to all three of them, you know, I always tell people. Get a quote from all three, talk to all three, cover all three, make sure everybody's on the same page <clears throat> before you make a decision because you're going to get information from each one. And a lot of it may be in line and some of it may be a little different. You know, one may say something different than the other two. Okay, so where do you go from there? Reach out to transportation director or two or three or four and ask them their opinion. You're going to get the answer. But homework, you got to do homework. It's a huge expenditure on a school. I mean, if you guys build a facility, for $2 million, right? You don't just tell a guy to come build it. You get quotes. You talk sure. to people. You, you do your homework. You do your research. And, and buses are really no different. You can spend a million or $2 million on buses quick. And you, you have a fiscal responsibility as a transportation leader to have those conversations. And I would say beyond that, even go to your neighbors or your colleagues who you've you know, worked with and, and see See it, touch it, feel it, use it. Mm -hmm. Ask for ask for demonstrations, just like the adjustable pedal thing. Ask for demonstrations. Prove to me I don't need this. Yeah. Okay. If they can prove it, they'll show up with the bus and show you why you don't need it. You know. And Shannon, you said it, and I've said this before to many people. You know, if I do, and I've said this to other people too outside when we're just talking about my job. Is we all we all do, but especially transportation directors, superintendents, business managers. What I say is you have a fiduciary responsibility to do what's right with the taxpayer's money, with the school's money, and doing your homework and getting multiple quotes and finding out the facts is exactly how you take care of that money. I mean, that's your job. That's, it's that's it's huge. Job. That's how you earn trust from your from your voters. Mm -hmm. And so then they know that you are gonna do, you know, good work with their dollars and, and be more likely to Right. Support it next time when you talk about what you're purchasing because you've been communicative and you've shared along the way what you've researched and what your decision, you know, was based on. And I would say just quickly, I know I, I've had the opportunity to be in the factory. Um, and that was a huge, um, huge for me to be able to see it through that lens. Mm -hmm. Which is a good segue because, yeah. Chad, after we spec the bus, we place the order. <clears throat> Why does it take so long to get it? Hand built. They are hand-built. Every school bus yeah. from every manufacturer is hand-built. I mean, so Bluebird and IC hand-build their buses from the ground up at the factory. I mean, they've got frame rails sitting there. They pull the frame rails together. They pull them up. They start assembling the bus from the frame rail up. Thomas, Freightliner builds the chassis. They drive it down the highway. They install the body there. But still, they're both hand-built. The chassis is built at one factory. The body is built at another factory. Again, hand-built. Hand building anything is going to take time. 
same reason, you know, Rolls Royce, for example, and I'm not comparing a school bus to Rolls Royce by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but hand building takes time. And when you get multiple orders, it takes time to get those orders pushed through. Uh, the school bus industry isn't a, you know, class eight semi-tractor size industry. It's not the size of, you know, the mid-size family car. You know, I mean, they, there's not as many school buses sold each year than there are like, you know, Camrys, if you will, for sure. example. So, <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's a certain amount and, and, and you know, Sometimes you get into supply issues. I mean, the COVID thing is, you know, there were supply issues, you know, a, a supplier would shut down for two weeks. Well, then that puts everything on the factory at hold for two weeks, unless they have a reserve of those parts. And some of us did, some of us didn't. Depends on the parts. I know IC had a couple of delays. I think Bluebird Thomas had a couple of delays last year. Um, but on a normal year, it, it really just boils down to they're hand built and it's not a fast process. And then you're building state to state. You're building a Maryland bus versus a Texas bus, and then you're building a Florida bus and a New York bus, and it's not like they're all the same. You're not just pumping through a bunch of buses; they're just like the one you just built. You know, yeah, there's there's changes. Go ahead, Shannon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just, I mean, they talk about that in that process that they're unique and they have to change the, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the um, paint shade or the. Um, types of metals or seat structure or so then that requires a whole reorg of the I'll say assembly line I don't even know if I'm using the right language um, but that all takes time yeah yeah I mean if if, if you're if let's say Ford was running F, F-150s through and then the next the next round of vehicles coming through were Mustangs and they had to stop and retool and, and bring in new body panels and new seats if you will I mean it's a terrible sure. example because it'd be a lot more extreme but you know what I'm saying I mean it just just stop and, and change and, and bring in different items and different specs and make sure everybody's got you know, the right person there that's installing the, the, the uh, crossing gate that didn't install the crossing gate in the last 20. Now he's going to be here to install in the next 10. And yeah, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of coordination I mean, that goes into it, which is, I mean, it's cool. It's cool to know that it is hand, you know, that it is hand built and that it's, you know, there's that, I mean, I guess, less room for error so to speak i mean i would imagine that you know some of these dealer factories that are you know doing your custom your your compact family car are are probably they have quality control that they have to go through but knowing that you know there are people that are hand building these that are going to transport students and real human people um you know to and from school i think that's kind of a pretty a neat concept i guess and and I'm going to tell you, they are super proud of the fact that they get to do it. I'm, I, I, that's the part I think that was the most, um, I guess, reassuring and heartwarming uh, is that they're just super proud that they get to be a part of it all. And so it's a pretty neat process, and they are um, take ownership of their piece of that puzzle. Yeah, I went to, um, you know, it's funny people assume, I've had quite a few people out here assume because I'm from Tulsa, Oh, you, you came from international? No, no, I, I didn't. Oh, you didn't work at the plant? No, no. Oh, but you've been to the plant? No, I've never been to the plant. I've flown over it. I've seen it. <laughs> Even though I worked for international, I've never been to the plant. I, why? I don't know. I'm hoping that once all this uh, subsides, a lot of school districts, you know, come out here and, and visit the plant and 
get to spend the week out here with them in Tulsa. I know all the great places to eat. So, you know, that'd be a benefit to anybody who wants to come visit the plant with me. I can make sure you get good food. Special food tour along with the school bus tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. What are you hungry for? I got it. I know it. So, you know, but I have, I've been to the Collins plant. You know, last year I sold a, a bunch of buses to this district and they're a newer, newer design and actually a brand new style of bus from Collins. And so I went to, drove up to Kansas to the factory when the first two were built and walked around and made sure everything was up to the, the school specs. You know, um, I just wanted to make sure that we were right before we start cranking out the other two dozen buses. Let's make sure these first two were exactly what we wanted. And there were any issues. I shared some concerns and questions and, and suggestions from the school district, which they changed it. But I toured the, so I actually toured Collins factory two different times. And you're right, Shannon, they, they those people take pride in what they do. They enjoy mm. it and to see it mm-hmm. literally from the ground up. I mean, literally from, from cross members to the next step, you know, the flooring and then the next step, the cage and the next step, the, the sheet metal and the next step, the, you know, the insulation and the, I mean, it, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool process to see. And I encourage okay. everyone to go because you can learn a lot about a bus and how it's built and what it goes through, you know, from start well, to And finish. you get to ask questions on that tour, too. Like, you, as a transportation leader, you get to ask questions through the, during that process that you don't even think to ask to yourselves, folks, because it's just a different mindset. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think every transportation director, I think it should be a requirement. Just go, go, go through the factory one time just no to doubt. see. So, yeah. wrapping up here, pretty almost right on an hour. God, I mean, are we wrapping up already? Yeah, I, you know, it's, and this is the, all of these topics that we've, you know, that we're covering in every episode. You know, it seems like you could go probably a full day just talking about stuff, right? But um, I think really just to kind of bring it full circle is just getting in front of pretty much all the stakeholders that you, you know, that need to be a part of it. To Ch- Chad's point. You know, or Shannon, I think, said that the superintendent wanted to be a part. Some of them might want to. Some of, you know, have mechanics mm-hmm. in the room, have short drivers and tall drivers and, you know, medium build drivers and, and large drivers. You know, everybody who, who is going to be using the bus and and hear from them, you know. I mean, do do cup holders really need to be a thing? To some some drivers, that's very important. To, to others, it's not as a, a big a deal. So, you know, I think it empowers more, them. Sure. Your, your work. Sorry, Jason, your workforce, like they are going to be so, um, I don't know, grateful that you took the time to ask them what they thought. Yep. And I think it's important that it's, you know, it does create that buy-in. And when you're talking about driver culture and all of those things that you're wanting to, you know, promote people and actually show them the process that you have to go through. It's not just walking up to the, the, you know, the, the IC bus lot, RWC, and we're going to walk out there and we're gonna go, hey, we want that bus and we're going to drive it off the lot, right? There's so much that goes sure. into it to to the purchasing process, the, you know, um, going through the governing board to to have it approved to all the way through to getting it to Chad, to the dealer, to or to the factory, to the dealer, and back to us, you know, full circle. There's so many steps and the, and the driver's just that piece of it. The mechanic's the same thing, right? Some of them... Do they like working on conventionals more than they like working on REs? Do they like working, you know, what are the, some of the things that they're going to be able to tell you that, hey, stay away from this, or hey, we really want to go with this horsepower and this transmission to, you know, to be geared uh, to, to push that vehicle. So um, I think it's really just, you know, leaning on all of your, 
leaders that are within your department to help you make those decisions. And then, and then really understanding or having a salesperson that understands the district need. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and beyond one thing we didn't touch on beyond, you know, uh, just the school bus and the specifications, you know, talking to your service department, you know, they may want, again, they may want a conventional versus a rear engine. Okay. Well, the support side after the cell is also important and your service partner will share that with you a lot. Now you also need to keep in mind, just like buses that changes also, you know, I mean, someone may have been terrible eight years ago, but they may be great this year. You know, again, reach out to the different districts and find out not just the ones that run the buses you like or the ones you have, but from each one, Mm. you know, someone runs a bluebird column. Someone runs a bunch of ICs columns. Someone runs a bunch of Thomas's column call multiple ones. You know, I mean, you never know. Things change, people change, um, the dealerships improve, and 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 they you know they also fall off the cliff sometimes. Well, I mean, and, it happens. And call you know? multiple. And that, that's important. I would say call multiples because there's probably some people that have a bad taste in their mouth from, you know, from certain issues, or maybe they bought a couple lemons and, and they're like, I'll never buy that again. But their neighbor uh-huh. has the same bus, same year, and have had no problems, right? So it's really getting getting in contact and just networking with everybody um, around you. I mean, that's really, really what it boils down to. I have, I have a district that was holding a grudge against RWC for over $1,700 eight years ago. I'm not going to buy. <laughs> and he told me this. If I asked why, and he said, even if I love your bus, I'm not buying. I said, why? He told me the story. I said, that's eight years ago. He said, yeah, I'm still upset about it. I said, if I give you the $1,700, we let it go. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I wasn't here and none of the people there were still were right. even there. Like, Tom was at Bluebird for heaven's sake when that happened. Like now he's already so I'll pay you the seventeen hundred dollars if you let it go. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like that's a lot. Like let it go. Like seriously. Well, so but, you're, you're right. There's people that can hold grudges for a long time. But you can also circle time. that back to it's. Yeah. This is not our personal dollars that we're writing a check to, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if if there's a not necessarily clear, you know, outstanding bus that's out there on the market that you should be buying right but automatically not allowing somebody to do business with you over something that happened eight years ago that that's a personal grudge that you should really throw out the window but mm-hmm. i mean it's unfortunate that's unfortunate because um yeah that's just i mean that's a leadership decision that yeah you can't hold you can't die in every hill i say that a, a lot <laughs> sure yeah and, and, and there's things that have happened, you know, my deal is I wasn't here when that happened, but I will do my best to make sure that doesn't happen to you ever again. Like I'll fight for you. I promise you I'll fight tooth and nail for you. So that, that goes back again to who do you trust? Make sure you can trust people and get multiple quotes and find, get multiple information and yeah. do your homework. Because again, it is a massive purchase, especially if you're buying more than one bus, it's a big purchase and yep. do, do your homework. Don't just, I mean, Jason, if you, if you just call me and say, "Hey, I want to buy a bus from you," okay, well, you know, you get quotes. I, I just just sell me a bus. You're probably gonna get a wing on the back. You're getting a wing. <laughs> you're getting a wing on the front. I'm gonna put wings behind each, you know, fender well. I mean, sure. you're getting a bus that you don't even need, but it's gonna be expensive. It's gonna be a blank check, expensive bus. It's gonna have lights and 
whistles and bells. And, I'm just kidding. It but, wouldn't. But understand that but, it's going to last 15, but, at least 15 years. You know, if not, in some of these districts, we're running buses that are 20 years old, right? So yeah. it's probably going to be there long after most of these people that are in their departments either move on or retire or move districts or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're making a purchase that's going to be with that district for a very, very long time. And well, on behalf of your community, yeah. And warranties. Never, never skimp on warranties. I push warranties all the time. You know, I mean, you can get a three-year warranty from IC for $800. Some dollars. I don't know what the other two costs right now. I honestly don't know if I did. I'd share that information. Why would a person not buy an extended three-year warranty? You get a five-year for 2500 That's a turbo. That's an EGR cooler. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's less than an EGR cooler. Um. I mean, I've I've had a district buy this. No, nope, I don't want to even send the warranties. Please get a warranty. Just at least get a three year. No, I'm good. We're good. Fourteen months yep. later, true story called. Why isn't this covering the warranty? We're having this problem because remember you didn't want the warranty. Now you're spending twice as much as a three year warranty would have cost you. I yep. tried to get you to buy warranties. Like it's just spend the money. Again, don't just buy warranty to buy warranty, but. It's definitely something that can benefit the school district and save you money down the road as you're talking about past the first year. It's worth doing. It's worth looking into. It's worth yeah. you know crunching the numbers, finding out. Talk, again, talk to your mechanics. You may not need an extended warranty on, you know, whatever the you know the camera system. They may work great. We never had any problems. Okay, then don't buy the, the you know the warranty. It may be a thousand dollars for a warranty on a camera system, but it, you know the only thing we have a problem with is the camera itself. We can get those for a couple hundred bucks, and that happens once every four or five years. Yeah. And don't waste that money. But well, especially with with deaf issues right now, warranty warranty that bus up. I mean that that's the some yeah. of the best money you can spend on school buses warranty money. And I think that's a perfect point to close it up on. You know, warranties are definitely kind of forgotten about, but. Uh, Maybe we have a round two of this, you know, in a couple couple months, get some other people on here and, and talk a little bit more about uh, specking the school bus. But Shannon and Chad, I appreciate both of you taking time out of your Saturday again to uh, hang out with us. And uh, hopefully we'll see you guys all soon. Chad, I know I'll see you, but uh, hopefully we can see Shannon soon. All right, yeah, everybody yeah, else, yeah, sure. uh, enjoy your Saturdays, and uh, we will um, talk to everybody soon. Stay safe. They're called- and- they're calling me back out on the tee box. All so right. Yeah. I, weather I, I delays over. Get yeah. after it. Good luck. Rest of your course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Watch TV. See if you can see me. I'll wave. All right, Chad. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Bye, guys. guys. Later. Have fun. Adios. Bye. You've been listening to Hey Bus Driver. Thanks for being part of our community. If you're a student transportation professional, you are part of our family. The show is coming to a close, but you can reach out online. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Hey Bus Driver Podcast. And check out the website at www.heybusdriver.com. Till next time, this is Hey Bus Driver, signing off. <laughs>